that that you said Texas talking I'm gonna hoop up beside your head Texas talking Tell me who can you trust When Texas hearts are Texas Welcome to the Tribcast. This is Joe Dussotel. Not to be confused with the Honorable State Representative Joe Dussotel. You may have seen us both on Twitter, but you can tell us apart in person because I'm taller, thinner, and always to the left. Thanks, son. This is State Representative Joe Desotel, and I've been waiting to hear my name on the Tribcast for a long time. Sometimes, if you want something done, you just have to do it yourself. So on behalf of the Joe Desotels everywhere, enjoy this Tribcast, and here's your host, Reeve Hamilton. Thank you, Joe Desotels. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the Tribcast for the second week of February. Joining me is executive editor Ross Ramsey. We could do this like the old What's My Line where you say, I'm Joe Deschatel, and, and if you try to figure out which is the real one. So I'm Joe Deschatel. Go. I'm right. Joe Deschatel. I'm Joe Deschatel. Are you going to explain how the old What's My Line worked? No. Uh, leave some of us at a loss. That's, that's why they made YouTube, so you can catch up. <laughs> Actually, I have watched that on YouTube. It is a good way to spend your work hours. Uh, who else do we have? Editor Emily Ramshaw. I'm Joe Deschatel. <laughs> <laughs> and... Reporter Morgan Smith. Hello. I'm not Joe Desotel. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about all sorts of people that are not Joe Desotel today, in keeping with our years of tradition, I guess. <laughs> Apparently. Shall we start with Ted Nugent, famous rocker, ally of Republican gubernatorial candidate Greg Abbott? Yeah, so this is kind of a test of everybody's tolerances, right? It's like if, if I like... Ted Nugent, this works. If I don't like Ted Nugent, this doesn't work. And Greg Abbott's betting that more of the people that are with him will like Ted Nugent than don't. I mean, uh, let's remember that this is primary season, right? I mean, who's really going to be thinking about Ted Nugent when the race is the real race in November? But it's also odd because you know, Greg Abbott doesn't have a primary opponent. So well, why- he does. Right. Well, <laughs> what, give your number to. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I don't want to get an Morgan angry Smith phone call. App. But, um, but he doesn't have he doesn't have true competition in in the primary. So he has to. I mean, why is what is the benefit to him in in being seen with with a polarizing figure, even if it does activate some of his supporters? We okay. should we should back up and say exactly what's going on. Right, Abbott appeared with. Ted Nugent at a, an at, event. A couple of events. In Denton and in Wichita Falls, I right. believe. I think that's right. uh, and the yes. Davis campaign. On Tuesday. And others sort of made a an issue of this, saying that. Yeah, Wendy Davis. I mean, Well, it wasn't just yeah. Democrats. Uh, Lisa Fritch, who's a Republican mm-hmm. candidate, jumped in and said this guy is a misogynist and a bigot. Yeah, basically that he's sexist, that he's, you know, said all kinds of things about women, that he's dated, you know, confessed to dating really underage women, that right. he's had terrible things. women. He's had terrible things but to say really about underage. about Hillary Clinton, about Barack Obama, things that basically are flat out racist. About um, a month ago, he called President Obama what a sort of a, a mongrel. subhuman mongrel, subhuman mongrel, stuff like that. Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> really so so Greg, Greg Abbott is betting here that the positive associations are going to outweigh the negative associations, and you know. This is a tough bet. I don't. I don't know that. You know, usually politicians are a little more circumspect than this, and a little more careful than this. And you know, this is a radioactive guy. He's. You know. Um, now you may be right that you know this works in a primary, and that everybody will have forgotten about it by November. But I think it's a risky bet. But Morgan's right, though, that he doesn't really. He doesn't need 
to be boosted in this race by anyone. I mean, anyone, unless really. he's just trying to get in good with the grassroots now. I mean, unless he's really started the November campaign already, which he clearly has. He came out with his first, what looked to be his first attack ad uh, of the governor's race today, Wednesday. Right. Um, you know, I it does not look like he's going quietly into the primary and is then really going to pick up speed afterward. He's in full-fledged campaign mode. But what the grassroots that are going to be that he's going to get in good with by going around with Ted Nugent are those really grassroots people that are going to go over and vote for Wendy Davis instead? Yeah, I can't imagine anyone sitting there going, "Well, I was going to vote for Wendy Davis, but, <laughs> but now Ted, Ted Nugent's in." Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I mean, and I think that the the parallels that the Democrats and and Lisa Fritch and some Republicans are making are are really fair. I mean, you know, what Abbott's folks have said is, you know, we're not worried about this other stuff. What we care about is that he's a constitutional conservative. He's a great defender of the Constitution. And they mean he's a gun enthusiast. He's very pro-Second Amendment. Yeah, right. you, you can't right. overlook all the other stuff and say, well, boy, you know, I like his take on the Constitution, so everything else that he said that's racist and sexist doesn't matter. And also, um, you have some folks raise, asking, you know, well, Greg Abbott has made going after child predators this cornerstone of his time as AG. And, you know, here is Ted Nugent, who has admitted to sleeping with underage girls as an adult. I mean, any that just can't be a positive question to, to have people asking. It's, it's like, not your standard <laughs> family values. Message, you know, they're, they're looking here for free media and they got their free media and they got their, their pop in the newspapers. But I think that they were, you know, a little ambitious in, in running for the headlines and for the cameras and a little, you know, uncautious. In, well, and in, why? In, in yeah. Associating with somebody who... You know, the association, this association has negative connotations. And why give Wendy Davis the fodder right now? Right. You know, I mean, they've the, the Abbott campaign has done a pretty good job keeping her on the defensive lately. You know, why give her an opportunity to go for the jugular, especially on women's issues? Right. And to be fair, I mean, Ted Nugent really can enliven a an event, right? I've seen him play guitar. He's an guitar attraction. I mean, in the, in the, in the, in we've the, had him on the Tribcast to make it more in fun. The, in the Barnum and Bailey tradition, he's an attraction. He's mm-hmm. something you'll, you know, there's a, here's a two-headed frog. Let's go see it. But I think his issues do speak to exactly sort of the sensitive issues of this race, right, which is sort right. of the role of women in Texas. Right. He did really toe the line at these events. I mean, he didn't, you know, um, there wasn't a, hardly, you know, a word out of place. It's not what he did at the events. It's, right. It's why he was at the events and, and, you know, why he's an attraction in the first place and all of the things that he's done before that, you know, Greg Abbott wants the positive associations but has to eat the negative ones. Right. But it's true that Greg Abbott managed to get all the media there and everybody in a tizzy. And then, you know, there was just a couple minutes of Nugent and then it was the Greg Abbott show. Right. You know, I mean, it was a from getting a media in the room play. It, it, it was pretty successful. Right. And, and I guess we won't know at this point if it has long term ramifications. People are still talking about it or not. In the future. Well, I'm not even sure it has completely short-term ramifications. I'm not sure anybody's <laughs> right. paying attention to the races at this point. Well, I mean, this is this yeah. is so early in the game that, you know, but it, these things stack up over the over the course of a campaign, and you gather the sticks. And by the time we get to August and September and October, when Davis and Abbott are you know in full prosecution of this race, all of these sticks and stones that they've gathered along the way will be you know part of the part of the ammunition. You know, although our sitting governor has been like a close ally and pal of Nugent's for years and it hasn't, you know, nobody has had a problem or, you know, it hasn't been enough for like voters to throw him out of office. That's actually sort of interesting. I mean, all the not necessarily all of the things that have worked for Rick Perry or that Rick Perry has employed during his statewide political tour that really started in 1990 
are going to apply going forward. And not everybody's going to get away with the same sorts of things that he has. Some of the things he couldn't get away with, others will get away with. I mean, it's not necessarily the same game. You can't stay in that playbook all the time. Mm-hmm. Ted Nugent earlier was named the treasurer of Sid Miller's campaign, who's running for agriculture commissioner mm-hmm. in the Republican primary. Is he still serving that role? He's still role? there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that didn't cause as big a splash. I guess that's just a virtue of it's no low- one really, if no one's paying attention to the governor's race, well, very, it's, very few It's a lower profile race. That, that's another question here. If, if I'm a low profile candidate and I don't, nobody knows my name. I'm Sid Miller, in other words. Mm-hmm. How do I get people to know my name? Well, let me hook up with somebody more famous and, you know, we'll... Um, and ha- has that helped him? I don't you know. Well, and I also, like, I mean, you right. look at uh, Sid Miller is the kind of guy, you know, you almost expect to see them together. Sid Miller is always in blue jeans. He's always in boots. He's always wearing a hat. Right. You know, Greg Abbott is the sort of buttoned up, always in the a suburban suit. suburban lawyer. Yeah. Have, did, you right. not see his, did you not see his Texas Monthly profile? Oh, yes. I was I'm familiar with that profile. That right. Yeah. So, he's always shooting things. Allegedly. He's shooting <laughs> things when he's on the cover of Texas Monthly, <laughs> <laughs> which is what? Once? How many times has Greg Abbott been on the cover of Texas Monthly? So 100% of the time. (laughs) Right, exactly. He's been on the cover. He's had a big shot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So final thoughts on Ted Nugent then before we move on to another? I don't really have many Mm -hmm. thoughts on Ted Nugent. No, I mean, this is one of those stories where you just see if this thing has any any lasting effect and whether, you know, it has any – whether it moves any voters. Does it – does it – does it – get some Democrats to the polls who might not otherwise have gone? Does it turn some independents? Does it turn off some Republicans? I don't know if it's that big of a deal. Right. But, it, you know, it's a thing. But I do, it is interesting, I think, getting back to Morgan's original point, just the strategy of Abbott when he doesn't really need to go to the right at all to be sort of tacking that way or, or bring in those, trying to bring in those people, even though it seems unnecessary. But right. uh, Speaking of the right, let's talk about the lieutenant governor, Republican primary and the latest in that. And for that, we will turn to Morgan Smith. So uh, Tuesday night, there was a a bombshell dropped in the or what was advertised as a bombshell, and I think is probably fairly accurately characterized as as a bombshell. If it walks Um, like a bombshell and talks like a bombshell. (laughs) And it was that uh, State Senator Dan Patrick, who has been has been probably the most inflammatory in his comments about illegal immigration and um, border security policy. Uh, it has it came out that he hired an undocumented worker in the 1980s and in to work in his in a chain of his restaurants. And it wasn't just one undocumented worker, though that was the person that was interviewed in this TV clip and also quoted in a Dallas Morning News story. And but, KTRK uh, from Houston. Right, the KTRK TV um, station. But essentially that the Patrick hired this worker and three others, um, members of his family, to work in his, in his Houston restaurants. And... Um, there is no there's no paper evidence of this. Uh, Patrick has said every person who I hired in my restaurants filled out the, the necessary paperwork. I know this because my mother was the my mother was a stickler for <laughs> the rules. And she's a stickler he also said for he rules. didn't do the hiring, right? It's the yeah. it's the same way yeah. you know that Jesus loves you. <laughs> he said he didn't do the hiring. The the person who was interviewed, the former employee, said it's true that Dan Patrick didn't do the hiring, but that Dan Patrick knew well, and it, that it, he was an illegal immigrant. And he gave kind of a remarkable amount of details about his time there. He said that he talked about how kind Patrick was to him and how how much he was wishing to um, help him 
earn a better, get a job so that he could have a better life and work in the United States. He talked about how there was um, a time when his uh, his mother, the worker's mother, was sick in Mexico, and Dan Patrick was trying to find a way to help him go back and visit her, and even offered to like drive him to the border. Yeah, to drive him to the border. Yeah, to to the border. Like, yeah. Which Patrick denies. Yeah, Patrick. Right. right. That, Patrick has Patrick denied all of this. Right? Um, Patrick. Patrick said that he did recognize the guy that did this interview with the Dallas Morning News and KTRK, and that he was a nice guy. They sort of both have very nice right. things to say about each other. Yeah, that that part of it was also interesting to me because I'm wondering, you know, why not just deny it out, deny it outright, say I have no idea who this person is, especially when there's no paper trail, but maybe there is more there that or could sure, be well, more this out guy's there. a legitimate character yeah. you know who's right. saying you know who can sort of bring up all these specifics about this time you know i mean the patter it's pat jerry patterson is the one who right hired a private eye yeah, yeah i'm yeah very tickled by that by the way just you know jerry patterson going out hiring a private well, eye you know, to a lot go. of this stuff i got a, i got a, i got a thing in the same race from from somebody in the same race I, you know this the season of the brown envelopes mm-hmm. so i got a brown envelope that was from ross ramsey to ross ramsey. Yeah. it's like my Future this has been a very exactly. brown but, envelope right. heavy race. You take, you take a lot of Ambien, though, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was I was sleep researching. And, and I mean, I think the part that could be most damaging to him. I think we were talking about this on social media last night a little bit. Frankly, is the part about how nice he was to this guy. No, but the well, thing but, is, but he Patterson, wasn't. So Patterson comes in and says, you know, frankly, I did this. I, you know, I, Dan Patrick deserves this because he's been saying these things, right. and it, this is a. This is rank hypocrisy, et cetera, et cetera. And he just sort of owned the thing, which was unusual. But all of that said, it's a one-source thing. It's like this guy says this. Dan mm-hmm. Patrick denies some of it but not all of it. I know the guy. He did work there. Um, there's some question as to whether this was um, common practice or illegal at the time. You know, it was a different set of, of laws well, it in didn't, place. It didn't become illegal. Right. So it didn't become illegal to hire such workers right. until 1986. You know, uh, the guy is now a naturalized citizen. I mean, there's a there's a bunch of sort of fuzz around it. As a, as a straight-up political thing, you know, it's not the bombshell that we were hearing it would be, but it does undermine some of Patrick's position, I think. Yeah, and I think that, I think out of all of the candidates, well, out of I think if you look at the candidates in the race, Patrick has certainly been the one who has stayed away from adding any kind of nuance to what his stance on border security is. He has had I mean, the toughest, most hardline talk on it, even even when you know he's all the you'll they'll all be up on stage. They'll all agree on these essential points of of what policy should be. But Patrick has always. Like he just has the one line of this is you know we need to stop the invasion. Um, we don't we that this is a huge problem that's threatening our it's causing more crime. I think there's even a quote from 2006 when he talked about um, infectious infectious diseases being brought in, and so it's I think when you look at it in that context, you know Patrick's own positions now don't allow for this kind of wiggle room he's set himself up as this very black and white candidate on the issue yeah if today's patrick was the opponent of this candidate patrick what would he say about right exactly right Right. exactly but does the actual issue make a big difference i mean weren't sort of similar allegations brought up against mitt romney and he still won the republican nomination Romney romney wasn't pounding everybody with immigration stuff the way patrick is i mean that's that's what raises this up and in fact that's what this guy said brought him out. I mean, he, you know, Patrick mm-hmm. did all these things for me, but, you know, I, I saw the stuff that he's been saying and the things that he's been doing, and that's why I'm talking to 
Ted Jerry Olberg, Patterson Ted Olberg, private investigator. And, <laughs> well, Jerry Patterson's private investigator, Ted Olberg, and then Terry Stutz and, and Bob Garrett over at the Morning News. So Jerry Patterson's say... private investigator would be a very good fake Twitter feed. Yeah, <laughs> oh, establish that one. <laughs> so let's say this does have an effect. Does it just have an effect by way of getting somebody else into a runoff, or does this have a positive effect on Dewhurst? Because that, you know, it seems like for the people who really are sort of like rabid, the immigration folks, who this is their key issue, I, I don't know if this makes them love Jerry Patterson. I, I mean, maybe it, it edges them toward Todd Staples in that regard. It, you know, it, to the extent that it takes anybody off of Dan Patrick. You right. know, what you're really asking is, if I came off of Dan Patrick, if I'm for Dan Patrick, mm-hmm. people are already voting, right? Right, yeah. More than half of them will vote before Election Day. Mm-hmm. If people come off of Dan Patrick become, because of this, where do they go? Do right. they go to Staples or Dewhurst or Patterson? It, you know, it's probably a mix. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're, and they're probably, you Good know. Good for everybody? Well, it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like two steps. It's the first thing you do is you come off of a candidate. And you're kind of free-floating, and then you go to mm-hmm. a candidate. So who's advertising? Who looks positive in the next two weeks if I'm shopping? Right. Right. So do, do, you have, do we have predictions on this one? Does it have an effect? I think it'll have some effect. It depends on – it doesn't have an effect just as it stands. Somebody's going to have to turn it into ads and talk to voters about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I think if you look at this – What was your tweet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean – Maybe by the time this Tribcast is out, that the there'll, there'll be an attack ad out already about it. But if you look at it, just I mean, this is if this is just like ripe for an attack ad. There, you don't have to include Dan Patrick's response to it. You don't have to in an attack ad. You don't have to include the fact that it was legal at the time to, to do this in an attack ad. All you have to say is, you know, Dan Patrick may talk a tough game on immigration, but. <laughs> You don't even this have to talk about. Did. You don't right. have to say how long ago it was. I mean, yeah. this is long before yeah. Dan Patrick, the politician, right? Right, right. Uh, so, of course, I mean, of course, I think probably most restaurant owners would be in similar boats if you did a poll. Yeah, but most of them aren't running for lieutenant governor, right? So we'll see. Are you ready to move on to a sort of? We've talked about the people that are coming up and vying for new things, but one final act of a secret little election here. Governor mm-hmm. Rick Perry's will be to this one's yours, right? This is mine. So I'm trying to figure out how to <laughs> ownership. So You're... transition into a question to myself. No need to transition. Just talk about it. Uh, let's, let's well, I want to see you do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically, uh, as as some of you who listen to the Tribcast. Each week, or read the Tribune, might know the Reeve covers higher education. The, t- the chancellor <laughs> of the University of Texas system, while I was off on vacation, decided it was a good time to announce his resignation. We that was intentional. About your timing. That was spectacular. Yeah. That was outstanding. Well, it's pretty consistent with most of my vacations. Um, so anyway, but the 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 plan the search to replace him is supposed to take up to six months, but the sort of behind the scenes politicking appears to have begun, uh, according to a handful of sources. Uh, it sounds like the governor has sent signals that his guy for the job would be Health and Human Services Commissioner Kyle Janik, who was also in the legislature for years. Uh, how long, he hasn't even been at, How long has he been at the Health and Human Services Commission? Not that long. Since twenty, since like late twenty twelve. I guess since Tom Cease right left. Right. Yeah. No, so not long. Mm-hmm. But uh, not that short know. either. Yeah. Right. But the UT system chancellor gig is pretty sweet. Right. So I, I would he imagine he, I don't think he would be like, oh, well, you know, it's, it hasn't been long enough here at the Health and Human Services Commission. So, so <laughs> Give me a few more years. Janik's from Galveston. His dad was a longtime county commissioner down there. And uh, he ran for 
House and then uh, moved up into the Senate and then left for a couple of years to lobby. I guess he was a freelance lobbyist. Um, did some healthcare stuff, right? Yeah, isn't he a doctor also? And he's an anesthesiologist. Right. He went undergrad, um, A and M, got his doctor, his actual doctor's degree at um, <laughs> UTMB, UTMB mm-hmm. back on the island, and um, practicing anesthesiologist and now. You know, health and human services commissioner. So we went to undergrad at A and M. Well, uh, yeah, it's interesting. So I mean, again, this is the Perry play to have <laughs> yet another Aggie running the. Yeah. Well, so if you want to attack him, you attack him on this, and if you want to support him, you support him on this. I mean, mm-hmm. it's this sort of you know, it's this it's this two sided. It's the maroon letter, right? On his, you know, but um, but he at least I mean you know Janik does have a UT next to his degree list of degrees, right? You know, John Sharp got his master's degree at uh, Southwestern which is now Texas State. Um, Brian McCall got his doctorate, who's the chancellor at, um, what's that system called? Help. McCall. Texas State? He's at Texas, Texas State. State. So yeah, I don't Texas know where State he got his doctorate I can't remember from. the name of the system. I suddenly froze on Lamar. <laughs> um, but he got his doctorate at UT. Um, so, you know, all of them have, you know, mixed. Well, and you heard, you heard this a lot like about, um, so in the spring, last spring, uh, Ernest Alistado was nominated for the UT Board of Regents, and some people, particularly from the UT Austin community, since I think they care more about this than the other UT schools, uh, freaked out because he's an Aggie. Right. Uh, and then he was nominated, and he hasn't. No one's really complained about him since. You know. You know. I. You know. It's just they're sensitive with this particular governor about you know if you've got maroon underwear, there's something wrong here. <laughs> yeah. Right. But the thing is, I mean, it's also important to realize that just because the governor might be backing Janik does not mean that Janik has the job. Uh, if history, right. you know, is instructive at all, it shows that he might, be he might mark, certainly right? not have the job. <laughs> right. uh, I mean, uh, Governor Perry famously, when Sigaroa, the outgoing chancellor, got the gig in 2009, Perry famously backed John Montford. Um, and, that's, and that's not an isolated case. In 2013, in December, when they needed an interim president at Texas A&M University, which is supposedly the university that Perry has the most control over, right. uh, he wanted Guy Diedrich, who worked for the A&M system office, and the regents, with pressure from Chancellor John Sharp, who famously got his uh, degree, his, his master's degree from what is now Texas State, I guess. Uh, it's not that famous. Yeah. <laughs> so who would be... He gave the, the job went to Mark Hussey, who was an interim... He's now the interim president. He, he was the dean of... And agriculture that, that, and life sciences. That, that wheel comes back around because they've got a name of permanent president. I guess they're right. in the middle of a search now. Right. Well, if not for Janik, then who would be like the other people in the running or logical choices or possible choices? Yeah, have any other names come up? Uh, I mean, Montford's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> so that's an option. He wanted them once. He could want them again. Right. Uh, you know, they, they really – last time I talked to some people about the search in 2009. It sounds like it really was a pretty exhaustive search. And they landed on Cigaroa as the best choice. Um, you know, it might make sense. You want someone that knows Texas, knows Texas politics. Uh, so that makes Janik a decent choice. The model has been former legislators who mm-hmm. can raise money. So, you know, Monfort was the chancellor at Tech. Kent Hans, who's now the chancellor at Tech, was a congressman and a former state senator. Monfort was a state senator, um, former DA out in Lubbock County. Um, Does Janik have fundraising experience? You know, he's been a – he was a – a uh, House member and a senator, so he's got well, all right, right, you know, campaign. So, so you yeah. start there. So you, right. you know you've got the ability to pick up the phone and, and do that sales job. You know whether he's got the contact list. You know I guess that would remain to be seen. 
if if UT Nation gets behind whoever the chancellor is, you know, Sigaroa didn't have fundraising experience. Right. Some of the stuff you can learn on the job. And right. and I think uh, ties to the Texas capital can probably be overrated. I mean, just given the um, the amount of money that you're going to get from the Texas capital relative to other sources of revenue right. in public higher education these days, that's probably not your number one priority all the time, even though people will act like it is. Right. And, but, you know, you need to get and, federal and the other three, I mean, you know, the other three are the same model. You know, Lee Jackson at North Texas and – well, they're not all the same model. Renu Couture, Renu like, Couture is, the, right. is more like a, an academic right. from the world of academia. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely, where One of most those. Yeah. <laughs> so who would uh, – if this happened, who would go to HHSC? That's interesting. Who were the names? I don't remember who the names were when – I mean, Janik was sort of a surprise. Yeah. You know, I mean, if they chose from the legislature, which, you know, they've done before – it, it probably wouldn't be a Zerwas because Zerwas has not exactly towed the same Perry line on the Medicaid expansion and on, you know, uh, other issues around the health you've insurance a, exchange. Yeah. You've got a couple of things going on here. You know, we're in the last year of Perry. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about before this idea of the Perry people are sort of embedding themselves into state government and jobs that they'll have after Perry's gone. And so, you know, does he have somebody – in mind for this. You know, I'm going to move this character over here and that character over there. If it's internal, it would probably be, I guess, Chris Trailer is the number two over at HHSC. Mm-hmm. Um, be interesting to see how this goes. I, I, I do think that if, you know, if, if Perry's tapping Janet for a job like this, then he's probably got something in mind already for trailer. HHSC. Trailer's probably the right guess. Right. But I mean, but I think it's, it is important to realize that it's just not a it's not a done deal, and it could be anyone. It could be someone from outside Texas, for all we know. Right. Nukator was from outside Texas when she came. Um, so I think that I mean I think that's that for the Janik situation. Really, there's lots. Of, <laughs> Glad we sorted that out. I mean, you don't. He's not the Glad only. Glad we've got all the answers. He's not the only higher ed person. We're also waiting to hear on who the Texas Tech University System Chancellor is going to be, since Hans announced that he'll be retiring at the end of. The summer. I guess the two names that float most often over there are Bob Duncan, the state senator from Lubbock, and Rob Janelle, the former appropriations chairman who is now a former linebacker at Texas Tech, I should point out, uh, who's now a federal judge, are the two names that have come up there. And do, do we have any way to handicap that? I've, heard, I've just heard both names. I, you know, no. And, you know, I'm not sure that they're at the point where, you know, these are absolutely the only two names and, you know. I don't know where that Board of Regents Although is. Although they've been working on that search longer than UT is. I mean, UT just announced Sigaroa's departure last week. And Hans, did Hans set a backdoor date? This is the date at which I'm going to leave? Or did he just say, I'll stay until you find a chancellor? No, I think uh, – you know, I'm not sure I'd have to check on that. But I, August of this year seems to come to mind uh, for some reason. And he's not going away entirely. He's, he's going to be Chancellor Emeritus and still has some role in fundraising and – Keep a townhouse there in Lubbock. A townhouse in Lubbock. <laughs> that sounds hands like my Lubbock <laughs> townhouse. Yeah, that's yeah, a it's band important. Name. Everyone likes to have a little vacation if spot. You're from the Panhandle, that sounds sweet. <laughs> <laughs> any other? Any other sort of a ascendant Texas political or policy figures anyone wants to chat about? While we have a no, I mean you know minutes? we're in early voting, so we're sort of in the suspense mode. The early voting started on Tuesday. We're taping on Wednesday. It goes for a couple of weeks, and then. Um, 
We'll find out on March 4th who all's going to the May 27th primary runoffs. We've started seeing some folks uh, leaking out or promoting their own internal polls. So there's been a little buzz around that. You but saw I that think- in the AG's race. Dan Branch promoted, Dan Branch internal released, poll, promoted his own ahead. internal poll that <laughs> no surprise here shows him ahead 30 percent, but still 40 percent undecided. I mean, I think that's going to be the big challenge for the attorney general's race is, you I think, know, I think all of these name races, ID you know, for all of these maybe races. besides the lieutenant governor's races, you know, a lot of voters are walking into the booths and going, who are these guys? How many runoffs yeah. in the big statewide races are we in for? I'm going to bet four guess. or five. Yeah. I'm going to bet four or five. Not the governor's race, probably in the lieutenant governor's race, probably in the AG's race, probably in controller, not in land. There's only mm-hmm. two candidates there. Mm-hmm. And then you'll probably get one in ag and probably get one in railroad commission. What fun. The election season never ends. Can you remember <laughs> an early voting season with this many black boxes still around? This many black boxes. Where you just can't, you can't see the outcome ahead of you? No, I mean, and I think I think a lot of this is that the voters don't know these candidates. It's not like you're walking in and voting a straight Democratic or straight Republican ticket. You're walking in and you're looking at, I, I counted the other day, there are 34 Republicans running in the top seven races. Mm. And it may be that you know all of them. If you live in a particular part of Houston, there's probably a ballot where you actually voted for everybody in the lieutenant governor's race. You know, you voted for Patrick for senator and the other three for their statewide jobs. But in a lot of parts of the state, these guys are unknown names. The AG candidates, um, Barry Smitham ran a low ballot statewide race last time, but started this race. He's a railroad commissioner. Started this race with about 14% name ID. So the undecideds in that race, whenever the polls have come out, have been in the 50 to 70% range. It's, you know, it's a lot of black boxes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you have any questions or comments. Or a black box. Or a, about, <laughs> about how these things are going to turn out. But, and you don't want any clear answers. Email tribcast at texastribune.org. We'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music, as always. On behalf of Emily, Morgan, Ross, and our producer, Todd, this is Reeve. Thanks for listening. Sebastian the Crab says that in The Little Mermaid. If you want something done, you have have to to do do it it yourself. yourself. And then he jumps into the water and kiss the girl starts playing. (laughs) If you want to kiss the girl...